While we are receiving the offering here in our service, let me share a great need, your prayers. Please pray with us that God would use and bless the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. This program is a ministry of Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland. If the Lord would lay on your heart to donate to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour, we will provide our contact information at the end of this program. We will now return to the service. Grab your Bibles. I'm going to quote a reference out of Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And then we're going to be looking at a number of verses tonight uh, on the principle, When Life Seems Vain. Now, I'm not necessarily talking to the unbelievers. Whether they know it or not, a life in this world without Christ is a vain life when it comes to the eternal scope with that. What I'm talking to tonight, for the most part, is to believers who serve the Lord. But for whatever reason, and and we'll look at some of these reasonings that this happens, but for whatever your reason is, you get to feel like your service in the Lord and for the Lord seems vain. Sometimes we have these unrealistic ideas of what the work of the ministry and what serving the Lord Jesus Christ is all about. Uh, I've chatted with our son-in-law, Adam, who is now a missionary in Estonia. And uh, he has often chuckled about what his expectation was on the mission field. He would hear in Bible colleges all of these thrilling and exciting stories and and events that the missionaries uh, shared when they would come to the Bible college and come to church and share what's going on. But they never talked about the weeks and weeks of the routine work in the ministry. You get up. You go out and you serve, and uh, you have to take care of meals. You have The car breaks down. Uh, one of the kids is sick. Uh, just thing after thing. And week after week, their life is somewhat routine, and there's not this exciting, dynamic saga like they thought. And the danger, and that can happen in the pastorate, that can happen for Christians who are faithful in, in whatever realm of service you are doing through your local church. Sometimes you feel like you're spinning your wheels and you feel as though what you're doing just isn't worth much. Now for our church family, let me assure you, Every moment, every ounce of energy you invest in the work of this ministry, it means a lot to the Lord, and it means a lot to your pastor. I am so grateful. I never take my my church family for granted in any of the work of the ministry. But we're going to look at the challenge of when life, serving the Lord can seem vain. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Now, Father, as we come to this this theme and this challenge, Lord, let us see some of the reality of, of what happens, and then let us understand why it happens, and we can make that correction, understand that it doesn't need to be that way, and it ought not to be that way. And let this message be an encouragement to every Christian that is faithfully serving their Lord and Savior, through their local church. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 
I looked to a man that from all practical appearances was about as successful a man as you could ask for, and that's Solomon. He appeared, although there's some great misgivings, he appeared to have one that had it all together, and not only had it all together, but he had a lot, and he accomplished a lot. But he is the author of the book of Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes 1, 2, and 3, he says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all of his labor, which he taketh under the sun? There came a time and point in Solomon's life where after all of his accomplishments, he felt like maybe his life was like a vapor. Vain. His work was vanity. In this book of Ecclesiastes, the word vanity is used 37 times. The phrase under the sun, 29 times, and that's meaning, you know, just things that happen, typically, routine, just what happens under the sun. He also uses the term, I said in mine heart, a few times. And that's a dangerous thing because that is a phrase that represents man's philosophy and man's thinking outside of God's thinking. You'll find this same statement in Luke chapter 12, verse 17, when the rich fool that had a great farmer, a great rancher, God doesn't criticize him for his indolence or his laziness about farming and ranching. He was a great operator, and and his production was through the roof. Literally, he needed to expand his granary because the roof was too low and it couldn't hold it all. But he said, I said within myself, and that means he didn't consult God with what he was thinking or what he was going to do. Solomon, who appeared to have everything in life, he had amassed unmeasurable amounts of gold. Uh, He had one for nothing. Likewise, silver and, and other precious metals and gems. Uh, when he uh, oversaw the building of the temple, the temple became, in that time frame, one of the most elaborate, luxurious buildings built with gold and silver and precious metals and stones. And, and it was one of the most phenomenal buildings ever built. And he was the one in charge of building it. In fact, there were foreigners that came and just stood in awe at the things that Solomon had built. The amassing of gold, silver. He wrote 3,000 proverbs, over 1,000 songs. He, he was a scholar on trees, an arborist. I'm not sure the right biological word for, for one that's uh, 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 an expert on trees. Uh, I I can tell you what every kind of tree is. It's wooden. (laughs) Now, beyond that, I might pick out a few of them. But he was a scholar uh, on on these trees and how to make them grow and and with the fruit-bearing trees, how to make them produce and all of that. He was a scholar. He was a fish biologist. It talks about all of the things that he knew about fish. And, and uh, just the, the diversity and all of that. Animal husbandry. 
he, he was uh, excellent at breeding and expanding the livestock and, and all of the pedigrees and all of the different breeds and, and all of the things that was with that. He was a phenomenal architect in building and doing things. And, and you look at everything that this man accomplished in his life, and because he had unbiblical thinking on some levels in his life, when he came to the end of all of this, or somewhere later in his life in all of this, he said, vanity of vanities. All my life is vanity. It's vain. That's a sad conclusion. But do you know, this is not a problem of just yesteryear. Recently, I read a, a post that was entitled, Pray for Your Pastor. And it seems to me that pastors struggle with feeling like their work in the Lord is vanity or vain. Here, here's what I ran across in this article. It said that 97% of the pastors have been betrayed, falsely accused, or hurt by a trusted friend. That's a high percentage. That's a hard thing to experience. You invest your life... And those that you love and care for and minister to and even have led to the Lord and, and mentored. And then they, they betray you. I, I have known and seen preachers that have experienced that multiple times. And it has been very discouraging to them. As I had mentioned previously, uh, Dr. Coomer had a young preacher call him. And shared with him how he was slandered and lied about by another preacher in a big meeting. And he said, this guy doesn't even know me. I don't know where he got these ideas. He's never talked to me about any of these. And because of this betrayal, not even by a close friend, let alone an acquaintance, he said, I just want to quit the ministry. Seventy percent of pastors battle depression. 7,000 churches close each year, and 1,500 pastors quit the ministry each month. Only 10% will actually retire from the pastorate, and 80% feel discouraged on a regular basis. 94% of the pastors' families feel the extreme pressures of the ministry. 78% of the pastors have no close friends. 90% report working 55 to 75 hours per week. And feel drained. I grew up farming and ranching. I thought that was a normal work week. So that never bothered me. But most people don't grow up with that. They think in mentality of 40-hour work weeks. Now it seems to me and sounds like a great number of pastors feel as though their life and labor in the Lord is vain. If the spiritual leadership feels this way, how much more a probability are Christians who are in the church, officers, teachers, those that clean, those that take care of the mowing, those that their health will allow them only to be faithful to the services. How much more real can that be for the lay people and feel as though their work and their service in the Lord is vain? 
I believe the Bible gives several reasons why Christians feel as though their life and labor in the Lord is vain. And I, I want to look at some of those here over the next few minutes. And I want to encourage you that the reason this happens, whether it be a pastor or whether it be a layperson in the church, it is the fruit of unbiblical thinking or unbiblical expectations. And so we want to look at some of those. And let's begin with 1 Samuel chapter 25. 1 Samuel and chapter 25, we find the first case right here in this particular passage. And the statement is this. You will feel like your life and labor in the Lord is vain when you feel that your good or benevolence to others is rewarded with evil. In 1 Samuel 25, this is during that time that David was on the run from Saul. And David's integrity before Saul was impeccable. He never tried to, to usurp authority over Saul. David knew he had been anointed to be the next king, but he never tried to expedite the process. He was faithful, he was loyal, he was honorable, but Saul, in his bitterness and in the evil spirit, he tried to both kill David, and then he would try to run him down, chase him down, hunt him like a flea to destroy him. Well, while David was on the run and and just trying to stay alive, one of the things he did, because this was the, the nature and character of David, when they were in the area of one particular uh, rancher and, and herdsman by the name of Nabal that had a large herd, when he and all of his men were in that area, they protected that herd so that not one of his herd was ever missing. And I would understand that in all of their need for food, they did not steal one of his herd to eat. But when they became hungry, after they did all of this good, so that Nabal could prosper, they went and asked Nabal, can you give us some food? And he says, I don't know who you are. Get out of here. Long answer short, no. And, and uh, David got pretty angry about that. Now, this was not a spiritual response, but, but here's what he said. Now, David had said, verse 21, Surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him. And he hath requited me evil for good. Do you know... Sometimes, and it may be many times, you will invest your life in others. And you will do good for others. And you will work at it. And that's your character. That's, that's who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what God has made of you. And you understand that and you reach out and you, you protect others. And take care of it. And then in the process of doing good for them, they don't do so good for you. Folks, that's going to happen. You see, human reasoning expects those who we treat well to both like us and treat us well. That, don't know, that doesn't always happen. I want you to turn now to Matthew chapter 5. 
Matthew chapter 5. You see, it's unbiblical thinking and it's an unreasonable expectation that every time you do good to somebody, they're going to like you and always do good back. But I want you to see what the Lord said in Matthew chapter 5, beginning with 43. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, and do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. You see, as believers in Christ, we need to understand that when we do good to others, they may not always do good back to us. I want you to turn to Colossians 3.23. Colossians 3.23. And you need to grasp this principle. Because along life's journey, even as a Christian, when you reach out and you minister to others... Sooner or later, those that you minister to are going to hurt you. And if you don't minister for the right reason, and if you don't deal with that hurt in a biblical way, you're going to become bitter, (coughs) you're going to become angry, and in the process you'll be bitter and angry at the person that hurt you, then you'll become bitter and angry at your local church, and then you'll become bitter and angry at God. And so one of the things that I believe is absolutely essential is to grasp the principle of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. First uh, Corinthians 10, 31, uh, whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God would go along with this. So here's how this works. Now certainly we ought to have compassion one for another. And we ought to desire to reach out and help one, one another. But every time I reach out to do something good for you, I'm not simply doing something good for you. What I'm doing, I'm doing it as unto the Lord. And you know what? The Lord will never respond wrong to what I do. You might, but God never will. Anything you do for this preacher, you need to do it as though you're doing it under the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ will never do you wrong. Now, I'm embarrassed to say this, and I apologize in advance because I don't want to, but someday I might do you wrong. But God will never respond wrong. And so we need to understand that all of the work, whether it be from from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun, and we're talking about in June when the days are long, and you spend long hours dedicating, your whole heart is invested in serving and doing good to others. Every moment of the goodness that you do, do it as though you're doing it unto the Lord. And you know the Lord will always reward properly whether anybody else does or not. And you'll never regret 
what you do. And no matter how the person who is the recipient of what you do, no matter how they respond, you're okay with it because you did it as unto the Lord and the Lord will never respond wrong. Now let's go back to Psalm 33. Psalm 33. Here is another one that I believe you will find helpful and insightful to give you understanding so that you never feel as though your labor is in vain. In Psalm 33, verse 16 and 17, let me give you this statement, then we'll read the verse. You feel like your life and labor in the Lord is vain when you have put an unbiblical trust in something of this world. You will feel like your life and labor in the Lord is vain when you have put an unbiblical trust in something of this world. In Proverbs 31.30, it says beauty is vain. Do you know what? Some people put their trust for their life and relationships in their beauty. You know what? We're all going to get old if we live long enough. And the older we get, the more our body begins to wrinkle. And it's not from staying in the water too long. It just begins to wrinkle. And other things happens to it. Hair starts disappearing. And and you know what? Unless you're going to spend a wealth on cosmetic surgery so that when you're 95, you still look like 35 and everybody else knows better. Beauty is vain. But here in Psalm 33, it talks about another one. Verse 16, there is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. Here it's talking about putting trust in an army and in government. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. (coughs) The psalmist understood that if we put our trust have an unbiblical trust in the things of this world, sooner or later we will be disappointed. People that rely upon the government, sooner or later the government's going to fail them. You rely upon your wealth. Your wealth could evaporate overnight with an economic bankruptcy. But do you know what? If you will put your trust in the Lord and in His provision, you will never be disappointed. Beginning with verse 18 and following, Behold, the eyes of the Lord is upon them that fear Him, upon them that hope in His mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in Him, because we have trusted in His holy name. Let Thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in Thee. Now, we can have a great relationship and working together and, and reasonable loyalties in helping each other and should be able to depend upon each other. But folks, if you put your trust upon each other more than you put your trust upon God, sooner or later you'll be disappointed and you'll feel as though your efforts are in vain. Now move over to Psalm 60. Psalm number 60. Here is another one that the Lord has given to us in the Psalms. 
Psalm 60, and here is the statement. You will feel like your life and labor in the Lord is vain when you have unbiblical expectations of God and trust in people. Beginning in verse 10, Wilt thou, not thou, O God, which hadst cast us off, and thou, O God, which didst not go out with our enemies, give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Through God we shall do valiantly, for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. There's a danger of having an unbiblical expectation of God. And what I mean by that, now in here it's talking about God is their helper and they could trust God. But folks, we trust God when we stay under His umbrella of authority and we are faithful in His obedience. When we step out from underneath that umbrella of obedience and His authority, we have made ourselves vulnerable. Just picture the umbrella depends on who's holding the umbrella. But if you stay under the umbrella, it keeps the rain off. I had to chuckle. J.R. and Debbie, I, I tried to help you out in the rain, and I was holding the umbrella. And all of a sudden, I realized I wasn't holding it in the right place, and it was running right off the umbrella down the back of your neck. And I thought, oh, I've got to move that over a little bit. That's why I was chuckling. It depends on who's holding the umbrella. But the fact of the matter is, if you stay under the umbrella of God's authority and obedience, you can claim His promises with trust and faith and biblical expectations. But you step out of that obedience and that umbrella, God hasn't promised to protect you. Giving an illustration would be in Joshua chapter 7. God promised that they would whip their enemies without incident, going into the land of Canaan. But there were some restrictions, particularly when they went into Jericho. They were not to take any of the gold or silver or Babylonian garments or any of that and take it for themselves. Things were supposed to be destroyed. I think certain items was going to be put into the temple of the tabernacle. But by and large, everything was going to be destroyed. Unfortunately, one man, you see, one man's sin can sure cause a lot of grief for a lot of people. But one man disobeyed God and took a bunch of it, and out of greed, he hid it under the floor of his tent. So when they went into the next battle, they had stepped out from under the authority of God's protection because there had been disobedience in the camp. And when they went up against Ai, which should have been a pushover, I forget how many thousands of their men were killed in battle, and they were run off like puppies. And they said, well, what happened? Well, there's disobedience in the camp, and you've got to deal with disobedience. Now, folks, this is a principle. If you want to disobey God, but at the same time expect God to protect you and provide you, that's an unbiblical expectation. God is the great protector of His own. God is the great provider of His own. And He does so without failure unless you step out in disobedience 
And it's like stepping out from underneath that umbrella of God's protection. Now, God's not failing. God's not failing to do what He said He would do. The problem is when you and I step out from under His authority and think we know better and we can do better, and then we face the consequences, and then a lot of times people will blame God because He didn't protect me or He didn't provide for me, when the real problem was we stepped out from under His umbrella of protection. And when we get into those type of situations, instead of doing like Joshua led the people of the Old Testament to identify the sin, purge the sin, correct it, and get back in the will of God, because the moment they did that, they received God's full protection and power to win battles moving forward. And there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians that instead of confessing their failure, they become angry at God, and they feel like serving God is just a vain thing, and it's vanity to do that, because God didn't provide when they were in disobedience. God didn't protect when they were in disobedience. They're blaming God for their own failure, and they feel like their serving God is in vain. Folks, when we serve God with biblical expectations and stay under His umbrella of protection... It's a wonderful thing, and your service is never in vain. Let's go to Psalm 73. Psalm 73. And I'll read verses 11 through 14. Now, here's the statement. You will feel like your life and labor in the Lord is vain when you conform to righteous living for the wrong reason. And you know, I think this is a widespread problem. And I think a lot of people may not really understand what they're doing or the dangers of what they're doing. What I'm saying is you conform to righteous living, but do it for the wrong reason. Now, righteous living is always a good thing to do. But if you're doing it for the wrong reason, you're going to be disappointed as an individual. Uh, You... You think becoming righteous will solve all your problems. Well, I'm doing what God says I'm supposed to do, but I'm still having problems in life. You see, you've got an unbiblical expectation there. Uh, You think becoming righteous will cause you to become successful and rich. There's been, for several years... Those that have preached the name it and claim it and and the gospel of wealth and all of that. And really, the only wealth that is exchanged is from your wallet to their bank account to buy a multiplicity of luxury cars and uh, high-value mansions and and private jets and, and the thing that goes beyond that. God didn't promise any believer that they would be prosperous financially, wealthy. Jesus Christ said, foxes have holes and birds have nests. I have nothing. Look at the life of the apostles. Many of them were impoverished in their life. And I think you will find that they were some of the godliest, most righteous individuals of any generation. Some think that if you live a righteous life, that will cure all your health problems. 
we have had some very godly people within our church who have experienced some serious health problems. If you think becoming righteous will solve all your relationship problems. Now, if you're the cause of a lot of these problems, getting right with God will improve a lot of them. But that doesn't mean the other party is going to do right either. You see, as a believer, we become righteous and we seek to live righteously because it's right to do. We, we seek to live a righteous life because we want to please our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want to put on the mind of our Lord and Savior. And quite frankly, we enjoy it. We enjoy not being under the bondage of sin and, and the consequences that go with it. It is an enjoyable life. Unfortunately, a lot of people think that uh, living a righteous life is a dull and boring and, and just a rare, very confining life. I would know nothing of that. It is not. Stick around, follow this preacher around, and you'll have some excitement. It won't be boring. And it's not constricting. It's enjoyable. I like it. Then turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 3. You'll feel like your life and labor in the Lord is vain when you think that your spiritual work for the Lord is futile. In 1 Thessalonians 3, in verse 5, the Word of God says, For this cause, and talking about Paul here, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. You see, you invest in people's lives, and you're going to see people fail spiritually. And there's the danger of feeling like your efforts were futile. And you'll feel like your work is in vain. Do you know what? Hebrews says that the Lord Jesus Christ tasted death for every man. But only a small percentage is actually going to repent of their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ and thank Him for what He did. The majority of humanity is probably going to reject Jesus Christ, reject His great sacrifice and great work, uh, despise the gift that He offers. But here, when you think that your spiritual work for the Lord is futile, we can understand that it is not. And the more that we, what we do, we do as under the Lord, we struggle less with this great problem. All five of these problems are the fault of an unbiblical philosophy or expectation within the Christian life. And here's some other things that will bolster you in knowing that it's not in vain. First, turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. You'll find something similar to this in the Gospel of John, but we'll just look at Matthew chapter 10. Verse 24, the Lord Jesus Christ said this about himself and about his disciples. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. 
if they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, and they did call him that, the Lord Jesus Christ, how much more shall they call them of his household? And as you go over into the Gospel of John, and it is chapter 13 and chapter 15, we don't have time to look at those verses, but but you will find that he talks about how people persecuted him, they lied about him, they slandered him, how he doesn't have a home of his own. All of these things. And one of the things that will help us to understand, because we're living in a, a prosperous society... And so many times we think that as believers, if, if we're not prospering financially and, and in health and, and in a multitude of ways, that we're all wrong and, and something's going bad and, and our work is in vain for the Lord. But understand this, since the servant is not above the master, what did our master experience? And we should not find it strange if we experience the same thing. He came unto his own, and they received him not. John 1.12. Do you know, he dealt with rejection. It would probably make for an interesting study to go through the Gospels and list all the groups that rejected him, and all of the peoples that rejected him. He dealt with frequent rejection. And even by his own people who should have known well enough to accept him. He was called a liar when he was the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, that's a hard thing to be always committed to being truthful and telling the truth. To have people slander you and call you a liar and a deceiver. And you wouldn't do that. With the Lord Jesus Christ, because he was God the Son, he couldn't do that. And he was called a liar. He was called a blasphemer. And there was nothing blasphemous about his life. He was rejected by his half-brothers until after the resurrection. Do You know, it, it, it would be rather difficult, and it is difficult... To give your life to the ministry and have family that opposes you and rejects and and does what they can to stop you and and discredit what you're doing. Uh, I've I've talked with certain families and and called them blessed because both parents are on board of what they're doing. The grandparents are supporting them for what they're doing. Their siblings are supporting them for what they're doing in the Lord. There's a lot of Christians who are faithfully trying to serve the Lord that their own family rejects what they're doing. Their own family criticizes. It may be mom or dad. It may be son or daughter. It may be brother or sister. But do you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, his half-brothers and sisters rejected him. He was frequently misunderstood by his twelve disciples. People came to him for their own personal advantage. In fact, in John chapter 6, after he had fed the thousands with bread, he said, you only came because you was filled with bread. You come back to get more bread. You found a free meal, so you come back to get another free meal. He wasn't being unkind. He was just being straightforward as to their motives. Has anybody ever just taken advantage of the good you give them? That's what happened. He was abandoned by the masses. From the thousands that came after his resurrection, there was only 120 in the upper room. 
He was betrayed by one of the twelve. He was forsaken by all eleven when he was arrested. Even his resurrection was initially not believed by his eleven. Folks, the servant is not above the master. We have the danger of feeling our service in the, under the Lord is vain when we have unbiblical expectations and unbiblical hopes. In 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, Paul wrote this, and here is one that suffered greatly for the work of Christ. He affirmed and tells us, Burn this into your heart. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What a challenge. Let me encourage you this evening with this message. Some of you may feel as though your service of the Lord has been vain. Or vanity. And you struggle if there's been any value, any virtue, or anything accomplished. Paul says, be steadfast. Don't give up. Keep going. Be unmovable. Always abounding. Because your labor in the Lord is not in vain. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6-8, through 8, Paul had lived and believed what he preached. Such that at the end of his ministry, he was ready to meet the Lord Jesus Christ with confidence and not with shame. He has said, I finished my course. He did what God called him to do without wavering. He finished the course. Folks, if you're struggling with feeling like you're serving the Lord has become vain or vanity... Examine the reasons you feel that way and replace it with 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight: Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because your labor is not in vain. I think one of the challenges that you and I face, and, and I know this is real for me, is most of the reward and most of the fruit of our serving the Lord will not be all that observable until we go to be in the presence of the Lord. And the Lord gives and shows the account of what we have accomplished. We have people that come in and work on the John Romans and assembling them by the thousands. And I'm sure it would be easy because we don't see the reports of who gets saved, when they get saved, where they get saved. We send these John Romans, as I said earlier, we've, we've done over 2 million in 20 languages, and they've gone to 30-some countries. And, and we don't know who all's getting saved. But I think we will understand when we get to be heaven, get to be in heaven. And we will see a host of people saved because of the John Romans that were assembled by Foothills Baptist Church. Don't give up. Don't quit too soon. Don't get discouraged. If you get discouraged, get back into the Word of God. Look at verses like 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, 
and get back on target. And whatever you do, do everything as unto the Lord. He'll not disappoint you. Father, we come to you this evening. And and Lord, you know who may be discouraged right now. You may know who, who is struggling in their service. And Father, I pray that you will take these scriptures and this message to encourage them in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, to help them to understand their thinking and have biblical thinking. And Lord, I pray that they would be encouraged to always abound in the work of the Lord, knowing that it is not in vain. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. For more information about Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland, Colorado, you may visit our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com. If you wish to donate to this radio ministry, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Once more, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Or you may go to our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com and click on the Give tab. We would love to have you visit our regular Sunday services with morning worship at 9.30, Sunday school at 10.50, and Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. And until we meet again, be sure you are...
was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace folks, Larry Elder here. The rumors are true. KHNC listeners are loving Y-Refi. They're investing in a secure collateralized portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or to the Fed. A portfolio where you know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. Your interest is compounded daily, you're paid monthly, and there are no fees. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose. And get this. There is no loss of principal if you ever need your money back. Eldorados, you got to get in touch with Y-Refi. I've met with them personally, and take it from me, the great Eldersky, they are trustworthy, honest, and you can earn a fixed rate of return up to 10.25%. Just go to investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com, or call 888-Y-REFI-24. Click on investyrefi.com or call 888-Y-REFI-24. You will be glad you did.
Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit TeheboTeaClub.com. Tehebo is spelled T like Tom, A-H-E-E-B like boy, O, then continue with the word T and then the word club. The complete website is TehiboTeaClub.com or call us at 818-610-8088, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-610-8088, TehiboTeaClub.com. Hey, Chris Lewis here with My Favorite Gunsmith at MyFavoriteGunsmith.com, 970-776-0258. At My Favorite Gunsmith, all I do is repair firearms. I love freedom more than guns, but the only thing that separates a free man from a slave is firearm ownership. I would only add that it needs to work. All of my guns work. Do yours? Find out. 970-776-0258. My favorite gunsmith at myfavoritegunsmith.com. That's 970-776-0258. More than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for their news, traffic, weather, sports, and a community connection. It's the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping us safe in dangerous times. It's critical that we keep AM radio in cars, because when cell and Internet services are down, this free emergency service could be your only lifeline. Text AM to 52886 and tell Congress we need AM radio in cars. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. As 1360 continues to grow, we want to know what our listeners think. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Give us your feedback. Go to 1360KHNC.com and hit the contact button and give us your thoughts. KHNC, my truck broke down. I knew it was time to get a new one. And I knew there was only one place I was going to go, Steve and Mike over at the Ramsey Auto Group. So I gave them a call at 970-443-5654, and I went down to their new location at 6175 West 10th Street in Greeley. They gave me a tremendous trade-in value for my old truck, which didn't even run. And then they set me up with a new truck that I loved. The process was seamless and easy. They took great care of me. Ramsey Auto Group in Greeley, 970-443-5654. The globalists say resistance is futile. Will you choose to accept your slavery or declare your liberty? Find out how on Pac-Man and the Rev, Saturdays from 1 to 2. Sometimes the truth hurts. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. The views and opinions expressed on 1360 KHNC are entirely those